If you want more power, better vision, and a bulletproof mindset, then I would like to welcome you to CG+, Complete Games Online Player Development Center. Now, baseball and softball players of all ages and skill levels can access a multimedia experience providing education and instruction on your personal mobile platform. Rob Cruz has put together an online video portal, a remote hitting program, as well as a series of online hitting courses boasting a curriculum that features pitch recognition strategies, power, video analysis, mental skills, and then some. For more info, log on to www.cg.plus. That's www.cg.plus to find out how you can complete your game today. Part of me is jealous, right? That like, man, I want to be 10 years old again and be playing on a game where I'm also watching myself in the live stream and then they show a replay up on this massive HD video board. But so part is like, man, I want to go back and play again. But then the other is like, it's really cool that we get to provide this opportunity for, for all these kids. So this next podcast is with a friend of mine, Amy Lopez. She is the national director of Fast Pitch for USA. Um, extremely smart, intelligent, passionate advocate for girls and women in sports, specifically softball. Um, I can relate to her on a lot of ways in her plight because I'm all about the underdog. Like I'm, I'm for, I'm for the underdog. And um, she's a person that has given her entire life and actually changed the trajectory of her career in academia to come back to the sport that made her who she was. Um, This is a very important, important um, podcast because she can inspire so many young people to show them what it's like to be successful and what success looks like and what winning looks like. This is a woman that has overcome so much adversity, um, being cut from a travel team, making a travel team, not really being highly recruited, um, yet still find ways to win. Um, Five ACL tears. I think I probably would have quit after two at least. (laughs) But um, nevertheless, I want you to check out this podcast. Uh, It's something that's definitely going to change the way you look at your own life in sports, whether you're an athlete or not. Check it out. Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz, an audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations, and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. What's up, everybody? It's Transcending Sport. I am your host, Rob Cruz. My guest is Jamie Lopez. She is the National Director of Fast Pitch for USSA. Let's go. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> this is great. So I'm really glad you're able to do I know you're busy. I thought I was busy until I met you. And then I realized I'm not as much of a boss as I thought I was. <laughs> but I wanted to, I wanted to um, just get my audience to kind of maybe know who you are because people may know you, people know you in the capacity that you serve with you, SA, but they may not have known you as the player that I know that you were 
uh, when you played softball at Texas A&M and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to get get, a little, get into a little bit of that before we got into some of the stuff that's going on currently with you. So um, who are you? Like, like, where'd you come from? Like, how, how'd you get into softball? How'd that start? Uh, enlighten us. It's a good question. Um, I guess if, whenever you ask the question, who am I? It has to go back to my roots, which yep. all started in, um, in Wharton, Texas, which is about 45 miles southwest of Houston. So I'm a small town, Texas roots. Um, I really, I was a multi-sport athlete in a small town. And I got noticed when I was about 11 years old. Um, I was playing recreational soccer. I got noticed by a referee. He's like, hey, you need to take her to go play club. And fortunately, because of that, I was exposed to this whole idea of, of travel sports and youth sports. So I was able to get out of my uh, my local small town. Um, and it opened me up to all kinds of things. So I was a soccer player. I was on my route to uh, an Olympic development program and probably to play college soccer. And I was a baseball player with baseball until I was in high school and even though the the high school coach is like yeah well come on out for the baseball team I decided that maybe that was the time to finally make the full switch over to to softball so I played as a freshman for the first time really I was uh, 14 years old I was coming off of playoff basketball and they put me on varsity like all right you seem athletic um (laughs) so I started playing and I fell in love with it instantaneously. Um, Didn't really get into club softball until I was about 16. I was coming off an ACL surgery um, that I had when I was a sophomore playing basketball. And the Missouri City Magic was the first team that I ever tried out for. Didn't make it. Uh, Got picked up by another team, played a little bit more. Went to A&M softball camp after my junior year. This is funny because if, if recruiting was the way it is now, I wouldn't have been recruited. Um, happened to win a running competition on the first day, and that's when they noticed my speed and athleticism. So I started getting recruited by A&M, but I also got recruited by Megan Gibson, who was on my same camp team, to come play for the Impact Gold. So mm-hmm. uh, then the next week, I went to University of Texas camp. Pretty much the same thing happened. Uh, won the running competition, did something else. University of Texas starts recruiting me. And so I, I really only had um, three offers. University of North Texas was the other one, just because she was my camp coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started playing with, with Impact Gold. And so that's when I really got exposed. We played ASA Gold Nationals, um, got exposed to that, what that meant. And then I ended up, I did sign with, uh, with Texas A&M. And then that was a, a whole nother adventure there where I got to play for Joe Evans at AM and uh, played with Amanda Scarborough, Megan Gibson, and Jamie Henshaw, which we played together all four years, uh, won two Big 12 championships, played in two Women's College World Series. But playing with those three, um, as well as playing for Coach Evans, I think is what really shaped me as just a, a professional um, on and off the field. Mm-hmm. And it, it made me the leader, I think, that I am. Um, because I, if you look at my stats, they were not very good, mm-hmm. but, uh, I happened to play well in the big moment. So I think it was the 2008 women's college world series and our, our run to, um, national runner up where I, I got noticed. And I think that's really what, um, enabled me to play professionally in the NPF. And mm-hmm. so, um, I probably, that's, I mean, what I did in the NPF and what, um, what really sparked me was just the, the people that I got to meet playing in the MPF and that's what opened me up to a whole new world of um, just providing more opportunities for female athletes and so I was a nerd all through throughout my career so I went back to school 
uh, did my PhD, studied more about female athlete branding and uh, marketing of women's sports. That led me down academia, where I was in uh, teaching sport management at the University of Tampa. Um, happened to start consulting for USSA Pride, and that turned into a full-time position at USSA. So here I am. Here you are. <laughs> that, that's a whole. So you you play with a lot of interesting people. So I, I think what, didn't Sharonda McDonald play on that team too? Yeah, Sharonda's a year older than me. Um, oh, so you didn't play with her four years. years with her as well. You played three years with her then, right? So you yes, played, and I got to play another one was uh, Adrian Gregory, who was a senior and I was a freshman, who's now the head coach at Texas Tech. Oh, okay. A phenomenal leader. Yeah, yeah. I I, think I, ran, I met her. She's she, she's she's a leader, definitely. So let's talk about this. So you had the you, you mentioned you had the injury. I, I didn't realize I knew when I met you back um in in professional softball that you were you had an injury with your knee, but I didn't I didn't realize you had it back in high school. Was that is that the same injury or same one. I'm now let's see how old am I? I'm thirty three. I've torn it five times my ACL, my right knee. <laughs> it started when I was fifteen. Mm-hmm. And then um I didn't tear it again until my second year in the pro league i think is which when i met you it's coming off that that first one or uh, the second one yeah because we were hitting with the with the knee brace on i remember that yep yeah that was pretty much my npf career was uh hitting with a with a knee brace okay <laughs> and, and i didn't realize until you mentioned it how fast that you were fast i, I, I didn't you, you didn't come across to me as being somebody that would be a speedster well because i was four acls in oh yeah okay <laughs> okay that makes sense that, i've gotten a little bit slower yeah, that makes sense. So here's what's here's what has always perplexed me about you, and I'm just going to tell you this, and I'm going to keep it really, really real. Um, you have all this education. So you have a bachelor's in what was it again? Uh, in sport management. And then you have a master's. And they're all sport management. <laughs> and then you have a PhD. Correct. In sport. What's your PhD in again? I'm sorry. It's in sport management as well. So, right. all three degrees. so you have yeah. you have all this education, and obviously there would be there's so many things that you could probably do because you're just that much of a boss. So, so like it's like the fact that you are you're still giving back in a professional capacity to women's youth sports and girls youth sports. I think that's um, says a lot about about who you are. But my question is why? Why do you do this? What, what what's what keeps you here? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think even in my Twitter profile, it, it, it's about providing opportunities for for girls, women in sport. I found mm-hmm. myself. I think I really started to notice um, when I was doing my masters, and every assignment that I would do, I would gear it towards women's sports. And I've just always been motivated by by the opportunities because I know what they've done for me. I know. Um, the, the competitor that I am, the confidence that I have, the leader that I am, it, it came through the platform of sport. And so I love being able to create opportunities for um, just more opportunities for girls and women. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully through sport, we can develop more future leaders. Yes. Uh, you know, I grew up wanting to play. I wanted to be Craig Biggio and play for the Houston Astros. <laughs> and I, I mean, I think it's cool now that somebody can grow up and want to be Sydney Romero yes. grow up and want to be Lauren Chamberlain you know yes. they, they can watch them and then and want to emulate that and so it's just it's always fueled me really mm-hmm. um, when I look at what you have done and when I look at what U-Triple-S-A has done and the scale that U-Triple-S-A has done it on 
and that's where I want to go into next. I think it's amazing for girls to be able to show up to an event and be like, wow, this is, I feel like I'm in the big time or I feel like I'm in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. And I feel like no, my, the people are not putting me on the field that's that's not the good field or they're not putting me in the small complex or they're not putting me on the small stage, but they're putting me on the big stage because I'm one of the best um, at what I do in the country and I should be on a big stage. So talk to me about the stadium and what you triple SA has done with USA elite select and, and what, what you guys have done down in Florida. And, um, I, I want, I want to, I want to talk about the vision that you had and how this, this the complex has made it, made it into more of a reality for, for girls to be able to have that type of exposure on that type of, of platform. Yeah, and I think even before we get to the complex, it's important of the two things that really drew me to USA. So I left the okay. tenure track position in academia because of USA's platform. And so when I when I say platform, we have the ability to impact the sport at a macro level, where we've got kids that are playing at four years old or probably six years old, eight years old, up to our elite select level, um, maybe even the 18 year old that just wants to play recreationally up to the professional level. And so we've got that platform and we have the levels of play. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really important about UCLSA is it's gonna keep kids in the game because there's an opportunity for them at every level. And so that's what drew me to getting here to UTRIP to, to help, um, to impact, like I said, at a macro level. But now uh, we're seeing things that, now it's like a funnel where you can play in your local events and there's you're, you're playing for something and there's that end of the road event that you want to play at. And now we've got Space Coast Complex here in Vieira, Florida, that it's incredible. And one of the things I was really particular about this summer is I wanted our, our fast pitch championships to be played in our fast pitch stadium. I think it shows well. I think it's really cool for the athlete. Um, so the difference is you're playing in a stadium that's built for fast pitch. So you've got the dirt infield, you've got 225 foot fences, you have the video board, you got a, a stadium that seats about a thousand versus you could play in Space Coast Stadium, which is a baseball stadium that was originally built for the uh, the Marlins and the Washington Nationals. It's a 6,000 seat stadium. It's a baseball infield with a temporary fence. It's incredible. It's got all the bells and whistles, but it doesn't have that intimate feeling of a fast pitch stadium. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was really cool for those fast pitch athletes to, to get to experience that. Um, and just everything that it provides. And we've got some big things come down the road of with the individual athlete of what we can do on the, the development side. So mm-hmm. it's just really exciting of um, the ability to service every level of player and do it on such a, a massive platform with UTSA. Absolutely. So so talk to me a little bit about some of the technology. Um, what, I, what, what, what really um, intrigued me or what really excited me when I came down for that tour uh, was the you know the um the flight scope systems that were built into the fields the camera systems for live streaming that were built in and also the ability for the the the, like the the announcers can be in a room and get get the um all the athletes data comes up and you know all the bio stuff i thought that was pretty cool i thought that was better than anything i've ever seen to be honest and so talk to us talk to us a little bit about the technology that um has, has been integrated into the into the parks down there yeah, and if I talk about like what's the strategy for fast pitch for events that we want to host down here, it's not always just the destination location. It's 
it's the field surfaces, it's that they're all in one location, and it's the technology. Yes. And so every field is hardwired with a camera behind home plate. So every single game is going to be on UTSA Live on our platform. It's a free platform, so everybody can tune in. Um, parents, grandparents, you know, your family members back home, college coaches can tune in. Um, I think we're going to have the ability, something you could see of doing recruiting events not in the recruiting window because of the ability to not only live stream but you can cut that video as well you can tag players so if you know i can go back and get every single one of rob cruz's at bats and download them and put and send that um that's something that's in the pipelines that's coming the oh, wow. the data with 805 stats um where you can actually get the scoring system and you can track it of you know what a player did in their previous at bats or what what are their stats for the whole tournament um, the ball tracking with with flight scope and that's all stuff that the live streaming is is one thing but now how we can um, it goes back to individualizing the sport and getting data on each individual athlete tagging it and now they can because everybody wants to make those recruiting videos with hit and front toss well how about taking five clips from a live at bat and putting that together mm -hmm. and packaging that for a, a college coach or a scout so I think those are some of the the really cool things and then i think the other is just ambiance right the, the experience of an athlete there's something to be said about music playing as you walk up into the to the stadium or mm -hmm. at bat songs in a championship game or you know just an announcer how often do you get that in a weekend tournament where you can have an announcer a live scoreboard a video board uh and live streaming i mean i just think it, it's so cool for a, a young athlete to to get to experience all of those um just special effects that, that make the atmosphere better yeah, I mean, you call it a video board. I, I, it's more like a jumbotron. It is. <laughs> I was like, that thing is high definition jumbotron status. <laughs> I was really like, I walked away from there. I think it took me two weeks to recover from the awesomeness. I was like, and everybody that I ran into, I was like, if you haven't been down there, you have to make it your business to get there at least once. That has to be like on everybody, every softball player's bucket list. It has to be, um, you got to get there. It's got to be. Like, it's, part it's, of me it's is like, jealous, right? That like, man, I want to be ten years old again and imagine. be playing on a game where I'm also watching myself in the live stream, and then they show a replay up on this massive HD video board. But so part is like, man, I want to go back and play again. But then the other is like, it's really cool that we get to provide this opportunity for for all these kids. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So talk to me about the um, the announcer booth. You know, you showed me this room where the announcers can watch. Um, the, the, the games and announce from a room that's not even near the field or something like that. Can you, how's that work? Yeah, the, the way, and, and Bernie Gunther at say deserves all the credit for this, he built the, a control room in yes. the complex. And it's basically like a, an ESPN truck that rolls up, except this is permanent. And so I don't speak technology well, but mm -hmm. basically we are able to capture that feed and we've got um, broadcasters, we can have broadcasters up in our broadcast booth that are calling a game. And even, I know the Pride played at Florida State one year and they sent the feed back to the building here at Space Coast Complex and the commentators actually called the game from the Space Coast Complex while watching the, the live feed of the game. Uh, we did something really cool with, with all of our summer events here where we had select games broadcasted. And so we had multiple camera angles, we had a professional play-by-play -play announcer, and then we got one of the UTSA Pride players to um, provide the analysis. So we had Amanda Lorenz, Sierra Romero, Jolene Henderson, Jessica Burroughs, Jesse Warren. They were actually the uh, color commentators for some of these youth games. And they had a lot of fun with it. 
Jesse Warren texts me after and she's like, this is so much fun. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really cool, I think, just adding to that experience of what we can do. And, you know, they'll have replay and um, players or, you know, commentators talking about the kids too, which is fun. Yeah, that's cool. So I, I was, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about um, when you played. And you, you played softball in terms of like your pro and college career right at the point when softball was transitioning into being like it, hit a, it, was, it was about to hit a growth spurt and turn a corner at that time both professionally um, one, one in terms of college because it was mostly like USA Olympics was like the big thing only you know in terms of yep. like the world the world view of, of, of softball but now, but then all of a sudden um, NCAA softball Hit a, hit, a, hit a real growth spurt at that time, like 08. And even like the NPF, you had the you had the Philadelphia, um, with the Philadelphia Force. Um, you, had, you, had, you had teams, it was, it was just a little bit different. So, but you played, and I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, um, the two-way player, the, the pitcher that can hit. Sure. Um, you played with two really good two-way players players, probably two of the most underrated two-way players in the history of softball, Amanda Scarborough and Megan Gibson, who both were phenomenal uh, pitchers and hitters. And so other than them, I'm not going to let you pick them. Give me your top three. I'll say top five. Give me your top five two-way pitchers, two-way players, pitcher hitters that you could think of in, in history of softball. I have my top five, but I'm curious to know what yours are. Yours is. Golly, that's hard, especially nowadays where they don't. Okay, so Daniel I know, Laurie. I know. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Danielle Laurie is an easy one, um, and if you go to today, I think it's Rachel Garcia. Um, Megan Good's got to be up there. Uh, how many pitchers actually hit? This is tough. Because I'm thinking of the dominant pitchers I played against. None of them hit. <laughs> um, Got to go back a ways. Who am I missing? Amanda Freed. Okay. She went. She did both, right? I think so. Uh, I'm missing somebody. You're missing oh, two. Lisa Fernandez. I was gonna say. I'll get rid of. <laughs> I was getting ready to say, okay. But, if, if I say Rachel Garcia, Lisa Fernandez should have been. So, this, but there's her. one more. There's one more, and, and she, you know, your, your list is kind of my list. I got two more actually. But, well, I guess I, I played against in the MPF. I played against Finch, and she did hit. Okay, um, yeah, you got to say Finch, yeah, because she actually she actually hit for USA. But remember that year in in the MPF for the Bandits and Jenny Finch's last season was the twenty the twenty twenty season. She was still hitting in a three hole for the Bandits. Yeah, she could hit. She could hit. Yeah, for sure. You just forget about it because everything with her brand is pitching. Yes, right. But we forget how good of a hitter she was. Yep. Who am I missing? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure there's more, but my, one of my favorites was Megan Langenfeld. Ah, the UCLA. The yeah, she, <laughs> she was a pretty good uh, hitting pitcher. Yep, sorry. Sorry, Lang. <laughs> but yeah, so... So I, I, you know, I thought that was a, a, a fun little exercise because I, I, I was curious to see what your thoughts were. 
And it's funny, obviously, Garcia is like, and she's in the classroom. I forgot about Danielle Laurie and how good of a hitter she was, too. I forgot about that. Laurie, yeah. And I would take her on the mound and her mentality all the time. So that yeah. was an easy one to, to yeah. go to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm still bitter because Megan Gibson should have won an 08 Player of the Year because she could do both. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and Gibby, like, uh, even even in the NPF, I mean, she she was a force. I mean, she was a. Well, I know when we we had to pitch against her, it was like okay, when we played the Diamonds. I think you played with her on the Diamonds, right? I did. Yeah. So she um, it was like, well, we don't want to get beat by Meg by Megan Gibson. It's just, it seems like she would always come up at the at, at the wrong time for us, but the right time for the Diamonds. <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, all right, well, we, what are we gonna do with her right now? <laughs> all right, so yeah, that's funny. Um, so. What's coming? What can we expect? What's coming up? What are some of the signature events for at USA Elite, USSA that we can look forward to? That we can look for? And how do teams? Um, you know, I know you talked about doing some individual stuff. So, uh, can individuals sign up individually, or do you have to sign up as a team, or how does it work? For um, for our All American events and for our Select Thirty events, individuals can sign up. So, I'm really excited to bring back our Select Thirty National Training Camp. We did it. Uh, two years ago, we did it at LSU, and then three years ago, we did it at University of Alabama. I was and we did it around the NCAA Championship Series, but now we're mm-hmm. going to do it at our complex, December 27th through the 30th. It's an individual athlete event, eighth graders and up. Um, pride players will be here. College players will be here. We're going to have – it's kind of like a day in the life of a college athlete. So you're going to wake up. You're going to do um, your sports-specific training. You're going to have classroom sessions of mental training and uh, – just professional development, media, um, and then we're going to train and we're going to play. And so it's going to be a really cool, really dynamic event that we'll have annually uh, in December here. One of the things I'm excited about the team level, and these are all under USA Elite Select, but we're going to host showcases here. And to me, this is the prime setup for showcases. You got 14 fields, they're one location, they're AstroTurf, and they're live streamed. So college coaches only have to go to one park. You mentioned it earlier. You're not going to be, you know, sign up to play at an event and be shipped out an hour and a half away. You're going to play all your games right here. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have the live streaming of all those games right here, too. So more data that you can send to college coaches. So I think it sets up well for a showcase. Um, we're doing a really cool event with one of our manufacturer partners, Wilson DeMarini, where all their sponsored teams are coming in and playing an event here in November. Um, but I'm just saying, and that's only the events here. I mean, we've got events all across the country that our directors are running and hosting. And uh, again, it goes to every level of play. Uh, we're getting, we're going to focus more on our leagues and we're going to focus more on our umpires as well as we're building um, just those entry levels into the game and um, up to the, the B level, then on up to the elite select level. So another thing we always do is we try to incorporate our professional players back into the grassroots program. So you can look for more opportunities for our professional players to be out and about it at our events as well. Wow, that's pretty cool. So, I'm, and as you were talking, I was thinking about the um, USA. You said the All American Games and the Select Thirty, but I, I know what that is, but I don't think everyone does. Um, so, specifically, what what is All American Games and what is Select Thirty? I mean, I think you broke you broke down uh, what's going to happen during the, during the December camp. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So 
our All-American program is for ages 9 to 14, yep. and it's for any athlete. You don't have to play on a U.S. team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do regional tryouts, and yes. so you come in, and you're going to get measured and evaluated by pride players or or professional. We use um, we use all the NPF players if we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to get evaluated, scored, and then at, we're going to select the top kids from that region in 9U, the top in 10s, 11s, 12s, 13s, 14s, and then it's really cool because they come down here and they play in the uh, the All-American Games. And we actually just wrapped that event up last week. And it's one of my favorites just because here's 12 girls that are coming together. They've never played together. They've probably played against each other, but they're meeting each other. Um, they're now sharing group texts and mm-hmm. the parents become friends and uh, they get to play. They're coached by a current college player. Uh, so they get that level of experience too to, to pick the brain of that, that college player. Uh, and then they get to compete too. So that that's a really fun event. And then Select 30 starts, like I said, it's uh, seventh graders and up. I think I said eighth grade first, but seventh graders and up. And that's kind of that next level. So now you've enjoyed the sport. Now you're focusing on, on exceeding at the next level. And so that's what the Select 30 program is built towards. And it's based really more on education and development. So getting scores, but what do those mean? How do we develop you? Uh, how do we prepare you for the next level? Because there's that transition of play from playing at an elite level at the high school to going and stepping foot on a college campus. Mm-hmm. And so how do we prepare you uh, for that? And we're bringing in the right resources to do that, whether it's professional players, college players, or just professionals in the industry to help with that. That's great. So um, I got two questions I want to ask you because I've been having this conversation actually in my last few podcasts. I've had a couple of people on here that um, whose opinions I value highly and I think softball as a collaborative, as a sport, you know, as a, as a, a you know, has its own culture, um, like most sports do. Um, and then there's subculture of softball, which, you know, softball in Texas is significantly different than softball in New England, right? And then softball in New England is significantly different than softball in, let's say, Florida. So because, you know, obviously weather and, and, and things like that, but uh, all those players coming from different parts of the country all aspire to play at the next level and that next level could be collegiate division one two or three it could also be professional going from um the ncaa to to the mpf or any other professional league so or even usf so i want to ask you what your thoughts are on uh the recruiting the state of softball in terms of recruiting and i know we just had a we had we're like one full year in on the new recruiting rules, which there was actually limited weeks of recruiting, limited days during those weeks in fall recruiting. And then we also had the ban of the verbal commitment prior, or even the contact or the, or the amount of contact prior to September one of a, of a high school junior. And um, ha- having seen the uh, recruiting cycle, you know, go through the a, a full cycle one year, what do you think? Um, have you have you been able to see the effects um, in Definitely. terms of, of how how it's how it's changed? And if so, what were those effects? And what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I think it was a much needed change mm-hmm. that the NCAA did. I'm thankful for that because it was just getting out of hand, and it was crazy. I mean, just a from a from our level of what we were seeing, we're setting up for college coaches to come, and we had a debate. Okay, well, do we make a college coach entrance at our 12 and under park? Which is just absurd that, <laughs> and we did have them, right? We had college coaches 
that were there recruiting the 12 and unders. And this is no joke, but I was watching and she's a very good pitcher. And she's already committed to the University of Oklahoma. At 12 years old, she had a, a teddy bear hooked onto her bat bag. And she was probably the highest recruit, or, you know, what are more college coaches watching her than anybody else? And it's just, it's not fair to her. You know, and it's not fair to these young athletes that were being, having so much pressure on them at 12, 13, 14 years old. Uh, I, I would rather see them just enjoy the sport. I think um, there's so there's still so many questions out there and, and so many parents who who need help, right? They, I get asked all the time about what do we do to get started? And I, I think there are valuable resources out there, but there's also a lot of people that are taking advantage of that market too. Um, it's just a shame because you, you want to see kids enjoy the sport. And then yes, when you get to a certain age, once you're in high school, then you need to start thinking about, okay, where do I want to go play and what's a good fit for me? Because there's so many opportunities. But I, I'm definitely uh, I'm glad that they made the change. I think you're already seeing a difference. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, even in regards to our events, you're seeing more college coaches at the 16s and 18s mm-hmm. versus the 14s and definitely not the 12s anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think that allows kids to enjoy the sport. I think, uh, you know, we're still suffering at the 14s because – there's an expectation level of parents that, well, there were no college coaches there, so it's a crappy event. No, that that's false. It's still at 14, they there are going to be some college coaches. There's probably going to be some of your bigger power fives that are there because they're filled at the 16s and 18 level, but there aren't going to be as many college coaches currently at the 14 under level. And I think that's the biggest shift where they used to focus more on 14s and now it's back to 16s and 18s. So it'll be... Um, It'll, it'll be interesting to just to hear all the different feedback, but I, I do think consen- consensus overall is that uh, this is a, a positive change for the sport and, and for the athletes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think, and I also think to add to that is uh, you had the, you had those people that were like, they feel like it wasn't a good event because there were no college coaches, but yeah. we don't play softball just because there's college coaches going to be there. We play softball because we love the game, one, right, and two, because we want to compete. And three, if we do the, for those two reasons, uh, college coaching, the college coaches and the recruiting aspect comes with it. That comes with that as a byproduct. Exactly. So you absolutely 100% exactly. right. <laughs> so now... That quote drives me crazy. Yeah, I mean, you hear that. Yeah, you hear it all the time. So now, um, one, more, one more thing. The college transfer portal. Um, I I got mixed feelings about it. Obviously, I think it... it it's, it's uh, with any kind of change. There's going to be um, some some talk in both on both sides. I can see both perspectives, college coaches. I can see the perspective of the college athlete. Um, how much do you know about the college transfer portal? What do you think about it? Well, I, I do. Uh, I am very familiar with it now. And if, yeah. if anybody heard me say I went to Texas A&M mm-hmm. and you're paying attention, then you know that, that my university got, got hit pretty hard with it on this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think there's a, I see it twofold. There are times when a, when it is the best fit for an athlete to transfer. And mm-hmm. I have no problem with that, mm-hmm. but I think what we've made it so easy for kids and it doesn't just start at the portal level. I think it starts down at the travel ball level where, mm-hmm. A kid isn't getting the playing time that they want or they're not happy. So the parent's like, all right, let's go to the next team. Okay, let's go to the next team. And so you're creating a culture where it's okay to just pack your bags and move on to the next place. 
instead of, hey, why don't you compete? You know, why don't you enjoy your experience or see it through? Um, you know, I sat for a year. I didn't play my freshman year. So if that was today's day and age, I'm sure I would have been getting hit with the free agency wire or the portal. <laughs> and instead, I had to come on. I had to compete. I had to grow up. I had to learn a little bit about myself. I had to have an ego check. And, and that's the best thing that ever happened. And I ended up winning a spot. But and I do think, you know, if there's a coach change, if they're, um, you know, some kids get homesick. I get that, you know, and, and that you're probably seeing that with some of these kids that committed at 13 years old and they didn't realize, actually, I don't want to be far away from home. So I, I do understand certain circumstances. And I think, you know, a kid should be able to leave at that point. But this transfer portal just gotten out of hand, in my opinion. And it literally seems like a, a free agent wire. Like I'm trying to keep up between the NBA free agency and college softball. <laughs> yeah, you're 100% right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So um, I, I really believe that they're going to have to go back to the drawing board. Now that now that the dust has settled with this transfer portal thing, and actually, I, I think it could be a good thing, but I think it needs to be some amendments, and I think it needs to be kind of kind of uh, adjusted a little I, bit. Yeah, I haven't heard. I, I like to talk to college coaches, Victor, and I haven't heard one person say, "Man, this was a great idea," or "This has really been executed well." I have heard if you look, and and I don't understand how these are so public that you've got some of these platforms that are releasing the transfer portal. The only way to get into that thing is to have a college email address. So somebody's now leaking all of that too, right? Like <laughs> I shouldn't be able to look in there and see that there's 400 athletes in the portal. Well, guess what? There's 400 athletes. I guarantee you there are not 400 spots available. So what happens to those kids that go into the portal, but don't have a place to come play? afterwards so there's just you know you know you know what's crazy to me though what's crazy to me is that you could be you could be pitching for the university of vero beach in the fall and then in the spring you could be at the university of palm beach playing in in a championship game i mean that that part i think is like i wonder what i wonder who thought that one up but you know just, just like anything else um it somebody's benefiting from it and then somebody's somebody's on the other side of that um, right and I, I don't know what the number one reason for people leaving teams and travel ball is I guess I do it's actually playing time playing time is probably the number one reason why people leave travel ball teams um, and it speaks to something else that's wrong and broken in in how we are rearing our children in terms of grit and fight and com- com- learning how to compete and learning how to allow character to be built and learning how to earn stuff and not have stuff handed to you like that's not Absolutely. that's not only a kid problem that's a parent problem um and then obviously the way that most of the, most of the showcase opportunities are set up there isn't enough competition beyond the, the age of 12 because of the showcase so now that the, the that rule has changed you know, maybe we'll see more tournaments where we're where we're asking our kids to actually compete for something, where the focus is not on their own individual um, performance. Right. And I think, yeah. you know, and Learn I to- yeah, I'm sorry. And then I think, um, you know, with the portal, schools are now. trying to make offers underhandedly to players who are committed to colleges 
and they're using, well, I'm not going to take this kid. So now here's what can happen. I'm not going to take this kid. I'm going to let her go play at a, at a mid-major or something. And then if she does well, I'll, I'll get in touch with her through a travel ball coach or something and find out if she wants to go into the portal and let her know we'll take her. That's happening. And it, it puts the control back into the athlete's hands because once upon a time, you had to actually get a coach to sign a release for you to be able to be considered as a, as a free agent. And then you maybe had to sit out a year if, we go, if you're going to stay in Division One. So there was a whole lot of steps that made it a little bit more difficult. But like you said, it, they just made it too easy. Yeah. Well, and it goes, I mean, if, if we're really in the business of this, of developing student-athletes, if I want to leave my job, I mean, I guess I could enter a portal, but there, there has to be a conversation, right? Where you have to go and have that one-on-one with a coach. And so getting kids, and there might be, there might be times this is not a good fit. And I, I know there's the argument too, that, a, um, you know, a coach can just leave at any time. Yeah, they can. And then at that point, a kid should have the opportunity if, right. if they want to as well. But I just, I think we're we're not teaching kids the right life lessons if we're saying, "Hey, just sneak in there, go get on the portal." I, I don't know. I just, I just <laughs> feel like it could be better, um, a better execution of of this concept that they're building. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. So look, I, I, I don't want to keep you on my, on on this podcast too long because if I want to bring <laughs> you back, you, you maybe you may not want to come back. And I know you probably have other things to do, but I, I wanted to uh, find out if you can just let us know how we get in touch with you if we need to. Uh, how do we find out about events? What are the websites? What are the socials? I think the the easiest thing of getting in touch, um, and I need to be better at taking my own advice on branding, is um, I, my social media is all uh, at Jamie, J-A-M-I-L-O, and then the number two. So live in with that uh, number two there. Mm-hmm. Um, in regards to U-Triple-S-A, uh all of our events, you can find them on com backslash fast pitch. And so that's going to have, you can do an event search and just see what's going on in your area or across the country. Um, spacecoast.com will give you our complex here, as well as events that are going going on at the, con- uh, at the complex. Mm-hmm. And we have all of our social media handles. You can follow at U-Triple-S-A Fast Pitch. You can follow at USA Elite Select, which is our elite division of U-Triple-S-A Fast Pitch. Um, we also have the U-Triple-S-A Pride. Which, which is a great resource to follow as well. And then um, since we're multi-sport, there's just at each plus A in general. Right. <clears throat> By the way, one more, one more thing. How many, you mentioned that there was a, there were so many events uh, at every level, you know, all over the country. About how many events go on in, in a year with your triple A that are softball related? Oh, I think the number at, is about 50,000 events. <laughs> Yeah, I'm it's, sorry, there's that's, a that's lot. insane. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that can be, I mean, that's how big we are. You know, we have over 30,000 fast pitch teams that are registered U-Triple-S-A. So it's over 300,000 athletes that are playing U-Triple-S-A at some point in their life per year. Um, and it's, we want to grow it. It's when I took over this position in October, um, we set the mission as we want to provide a, an opportunity or we want to be the most trusted resource. And our vision is to provide a place to play for every player. So, like I said, every six and under who wants to start the game, every 12 and under who's interested in getting in the elite game to 
a 16 under kid that just wants to play locally. You know, we want to provide that organized platform for, for you to play. And you know what I love the most about you and what I love the most about you, Triple S.A.? Having worked for you, Triple S.A., as a coach for the Pride, I kind of know the moral compass of the people who run it. Mm-hmm. And it's truly not some big, bad wolf corporate entity. These these are people that really, really sincerely care about the about the players. And I really got that from being in back office meetings and, you know, knowing the people who run it because the moral fabric of the company and, and, the, and, the, and the, the values of the people who run it are going to show up and how they run their events and how they treat their people and how, how and, 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 bec- and what, what makes it even more great is that you actually have a development program in built into it. Mm-hmm. So and, and I think that's that, that's what really separates you guys, the development piece, which really like my heart just melts because I, I'm a development person. I'm all about let's get well, how, how are we getting people better? Are we getting better? Is there a better way for us to get better? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you all you at least I know you have and I'm, I'm sure your your higher ups have also have always considered all options thoroughly of how do we get better at making people better? And, and I, I appreciate that, Robin. I think what's really cool um, is there's been an effort from our board of directors and, yep. and our leadership here. When we restructured the sport and the leadership of our sport, mm-hmm. they put former players at the head of it. And I, there is no other association or no other um, organization out there at our level that has former players who are running the sport. And I think it's important. I think it's, I'm not saying that, you know, some people can't do it. I just think it's really important when you want to start making the athlete the center of our focus. When decisions are being made and we're putting that the athlete first, I think it's important that you have former athletes that, that played it. Um, so myself and Courtney Co, mm-hmm. who works in the national office with me, and she played for the Pride, played at mm-hmm. University of Oregon. You know, it starts there. But I will say, the one of the great things about UTSA is we've got um, about 30 state directors, and our state directors then employ directors underneath them. I get to work with them on a daily basis, and these men and women truly care about the athletes. And if they didn't, they wouldn't be with us anymore. And so that's what I'm excited about um, is working with our directors because they have a greater impact on the the local teams and events and things. And and I truly think with UTSA Fast Pitch, we have some great human beings that that are running our events. And that truly do care about the athlete. Doesn't mean we get it right all the time, but I will say, um, but your it, hearts it, are it's, it's pretty good. It, it's 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 there, and, and they care. And I I concur because I'm really big on people and their integrity. <laughs> that's one of my biggest things when I'm working with people. Is that is so I really appreciate it and it's, that's facts. I mean, you can take that to the bank. <laughs> so um, I agree. Yeah, you got that right. So um, I'm really glad you came on. I'm so excited about putting this one out. This is one of this is one of those ones that uh, yeah, I'm gonna really like the most probably. One of my, one of well, my, my more favorite. It's cool, Robin. I appreciate it. it. It's funny. Um, you know, we didn't even talk about how I. I used to drive when I was coaching at Monmouth University in New Jersey, and I would drive up and come hit with you, and that just changed my perspective on hitting and on offensive mentality. And mm-hmm. really fortunate for those times. So it's pretty cool just to see what was that ten years ago, yeah, and uh, how you and I have continued to work together in the sport. So appreciate what you do as well. Thank you. I appreciate that coming from you. That means a lot. 
and um, I'm looking forward to what's next. And I, I got to try to get back down there at some point, just to, just to, even if it's just to be a fly on the wall, because <laughs> I, I I think I think they have you got some things coming up that I might be interested in coming down, and we might even be we might even have an opportunity to work together again on some things uh, where we roll up our sleeves and actually get down into the nitty gritty of, of of the game and stuff. So I'm looking forward to those opportunities as well. And um, I know we could get to the end of the summer, so you know, for us in the Northeast, we don't go back to school and stuff until after Labor Day. But I think down in the South and Florida and stuff, you guys are going back now, right? Is that it? Is that right? I, I think uh, next week. I think some of them start, or maybe it's in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Crazy. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be. Oh, you know what? I forgot to tell you. I'm gonna be in Chicago during the NPF championship. Oh. No. I'm not sure yet. I might be there. Okay. I might be there for a day. <clears throat> yeah, I'm gonna be doing something with uh, Mike Stith with his with his. Um, he has he has like a uh, a training for all of the Batbusters teams. And, oh, and, and, nice. And, and, the, and the coaches, and um, I'm gonna be involved in it to some extent with, with 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 the hitting side of training some of the coaches and stuff. So um, that's gonna be uh, fun. I always like doing stuff like that. So. But it's the same weekend as the MPF Championship. And I, I didn't get to the MPF, champ, MPF Championship the last two years. I usually go every year. So I'm really, really excited to get back and watch the best softball in the world. I can't I can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I'll let you know. I, I might be. I think I'm supposed to go up for a day or two. All right. So if, if, if you're there, we'll catch up. And um, once again, thank you for coming on the show. This is Rob Cruz, Transcending Sport. I'm out.